0: We are called to live faithfully for Jesus, 168 hours a week. Welcome to the
1: Faith 168 Podcast with Brandon and Chris.
0: Welcome to the Faith
1: 168 Podcast. My name is Chris and I'm here with our co-host, Brother Brandon.
0: Brother Brandon, how are you doing? Chris, I'm doing well. It's good to be on the Faith 168 Podcast once again. Definitely, and I'm glad to record another episode with you.
1: Unfortunately, Brother Rob couldn't be with us tonight. He's hanging out with his family, which is infinitely better than recording a podcast with us. Oh, yeah. So I'm glad that he could take this time just to be there with his family. And tonight, we're going to just jump into uh, Revelation and continue through that. We were last talking in the book of Revelation about the tolerant church, Thyatira. And how you know they they had these good actions it's they weren't lacking in love, but they were very tolerant of things that they shouldn't have in their midst and and there's a lot of things we talked about last time as we went through this, but ultimately, what we chalked it up to is this understanding is that we as Christians should not tolerate sin in our lives we as churches, local bodies should not tolerate sin within the body. Not saying that we can't be loving, that we can't be graceful, but we need to be realistic because sin is ultimately what will destroy your individual walk and also the local body and keep it from doing what it was called to do, to serve the will and the kingdom of God. And of course, as a global church, if we relax too much and say, ah, this doesn't matter. Oh, whatever. Uh, That leads to a lot of different problems. So we're going to continue on with this tolerant church reading in Revelation chapter 2, verse 20. And Brother Brandon, I'm going to let you take it away from there.
0: Sure. So yeah, as Brother Chris said, we've been looking at the tolerant church in Thyatira found in Revelation chapter 2, verses 18 through 29, big old section there. And Christ introduced himself to this church in a way that is not so comforting. He said his eyes are like a flame of fire, not a great impression. Uh, But he does uh, acknowledge, you know, that this church had some good works. He commends their love, their faith, their service. And then we get into the chastening and the correction beginning in verse 20. And I'll just read that verse here. Jesus says, but I have this against you. So here's where the negative stuff comes. That you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. Wow, a whole lot to unpack there. So first of all, let's talk about this tolerance he speaks of here. Mm-hmm. Um, so Chris, what do you think about tolerance? Like, is there a good kind of tolerance and a bad kind of tolerance? Is it just, you know, one and the same thing? Mm-hmm. What's your take on that?
1: Yeah, well, there there is good tolerance. Like, uh, you know, when I became a father, I had to be very tolerant of screaming children. In fact, <laughs> today, my yeah, get know, a long daughter,
0: fuse for that.
1: Yeah, and, and I was able to tolerate the fact that my daughter won't listen to me because she's a toddler. And, and even though my blood pressure may have gone up a little bit, I was able to tolerate that. And so there is good tolerance, but sometimes we have tolerance for things that we ought not to have tolerance for. Uh, you know, when people say they have tolerance for substance abuse and use that as an excuse, you know, like, Oh, well, it doesn't really bother me that much. I can, you know, drink a a gallon of alcohol and drive because I'm very tolerant. That's not a good tolerance. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) But when we're, when we're looking at this, they're really, you know, talking about, allowing something bad that that's Mm -hmm. what they're they're tolerating they're they're just kind of turning a blind eye to something and saying we're not all that worried about it and and there's a lot of reasons they might not be worried about it I'm not going to speculate and say which reason specifically uh, they're going through but there's a million different reasons that we allow bad things to come in between us and our call as Christians here in this world. And I think the biggest one is, is probably fear, uh, fear mm. of, of, you know, losing friendship, fear of, of losing members, fear of so many other different things. But overall, it seems like this person they're referring to as Jezebel uh, which may be an actual person that they're talking about, or maybe that reference that we can go back to in First Kings. Uh, but they're they're allowing the influence of the world, pretty much right here, to overtake some of the brothers and sisters, and instead of confronting it, they're saying we're going to tolerate it. You know, it's okay, it's cool. Come to church Sunday. Go out there and hang out with Jezebel afterwards. Yeah, right. So, in this case, bad tolerance. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, as you mentioned, this Jezebel who's mentioned might have been like a real person named Jezebel. uh, But if so, she had the worst parents in the world. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Because. Obviously, we know about Jezebel from the Old Testament, a Mm -hmm. famous character, an infamous character, I guess, um, in First Kings. You know, she is married to Ahab, an evil king, and contributes a lot to his corrupt leadership and his uh, being captivated by idolatry. And, you know, we we know that Elijah the prophet comes on the scene around that time to... uh, confront her and, and her, her fate was not a good one either. Um, and we read about that in second Kings nine and, uh, just a forewarning. Um, if any of our listeners, uh, decide that they want to read that in second Kings nine, I would definitely suggest, uh, maybe waiting to eat, uh, you know, so, uh, definitely don't, um, I wouldn't read that in your morning devotion either with a cup of coffee, but Anyway, yeah, don't so, hang
1: out around any dogs while you're reading it.
0: So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, definitely one of those horror stories in scripture. But, but yeah, um, I think you articulated it well that there's a good type of tolerance and a bad type of tolerance. There's a type of tolerance that is more along the lines of patience. You mm-hmm. know, being patient with one another. You know, uh, bearing with one another in our faults and our differences, and that's something that Paul the apostle. Commanded and commended in Colossians chapter uh, 3. In Colossians 3, 12 through 13, he says, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. So, Uh, Paul is saying, you know what, it's what is essential to the unity and purity of the local church is tolerance, Mm -hmm. putting up with one another in a degree, uh, being patient with one another, because, you know, we're all different. We're all uniquely spiritually gifted. We have different opinions as well. We were raised differently. We have different demeanors and different, different ways about us. And, and Paul says, uh, In the midst of all those differences, we need to work together, and part of working together is being patient with one another, being tolerant. Mm -hmm. But there's a bad kind of tolerance that you mentioned where we just turn a blind eye to evil, and we do not expose the works of darkness. We just let them continue. And that is detrimental to Mm -hmm. the individual pilgrimage of a believer and the purity of and holiness of a local church, and the yeah. latter is really the thing that Jesus confronts here. Yeah. He's saying, for all your good qualities, you got one big thing that drains all of the all of those qualities that you tolerate a false teacher among your midst. Uh, yeah. One who calls herself a prophetess, she's not a true prophetess. Uh, she calls herself one, and she's teaching all the congregation to practice sexual immorality, compromise by eating food sacrificed to idols, and they were letting this sin run rampant without saying anything about it. And that was a big problem.
1: And, and some of this tolerance might not have been just turning a blind eye, but might be what you're saying as well is, is allowing compromise into the church. Yeah. Like they may have been fully aware and not even turning their eyes away from this, but saying, you know what, this just isn't the battle that we want to fight. And so we're going to come to a compromise. And we already you know, talked about the compromising situation, a compromising church. And uh, so so compromise is not good. Within the church, when it comes to living for God and living for the world, and that's something that we cannot tolerate whatsoever. And, and because if you allow that compromise, if you tolerate that compromise, and say, "Well, this isn't really hurting that bad," well, well, that's you know how all candy starts out as, right? You know, I when I ate my first Snickers, I I never thought, you know, like, man, this tastes really good. You know, this. You know, why do people say this is bad for my health? It's it's really good. I, uh, it tastes <laughs> great. And then I keep eating Snicker bars and before too long, what happens? It tasted good at first, but instead of focusing on the facts that that candy was going to rot out my teeth, I just turned my eyes away from it or I came to an acceptance. Well, if I only eat this many candy bars here and there, it's not really going to do that damage. But the simple truth yeah. is, candy's just not good for your teeth, uh, and, and so sin is not good for the church. And, and mm-hmm. no matter how much you consider it a smaller dose or a larger dose of sin, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. That's right. that's what we're told by by Jesus. He and what he means there is a little sin leads to a lot of sin. It ruins the mm-hmm. whole bunch. And and so when we turn a blind eye or we allow compromise when it comes to living for the world, while it may not destroy everything immediately, you can rest assured, especially as you were saying, look at 2 Kings chapter nine at, at Jezebel's end, you can rest assured that you will find the same end as Jezebel.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, and I think your illustration of uh, eating too much candy is is pretty pertinent to this because the thing is, you know, eating candy and committing sin are easier mm-hmm. than taking care of your body and living holy. And yeah. that's the thing with this church, and anytime we tolerate evil, that's that's way easier to do. To mm-hmm. just you know keep to ourselves kind of let it happen. You know, we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Uh, it's a lot easier just to just to take that route. yeah. But the consequences are always going to be much worse down the road.
1: Right, yeah. And, and that's actually what we go into next
0: when we read verse 21 through 23
1: are these these consequences. Exactly. Where, where it says, And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death. All the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts, and I Mm. will give to each one of you according to your works. Wow.
0: That's some rough stuff, man.
1: (laughs) That's something we might need to wake up and read every once in a while. (laughs) Yeah, Start our day with that, remembering the consequences of sin and how great that they can be.
0: Yeah, you don't see that passage on any uh, decorations <laughs> yeah, or yeah. Uh, Christian t-shirts, well, you know. <laughs>
1: yeah. Let's start posting that outside on the billboards. Welcome to this church, and here's the verse of the day.
0: <laughs> yeah, easiest way to right there.
1: Yeah, well, and there's a reason why these passages aren't presented as often, because we like to present passages that sound sweet, you know, like yeah. candy. And uh, avoid the understandings that we have to come to that lead to great spiritual health as well. And and we can even misrepresent scripture by always, you know, putting a sweet tone to everything and and sugarcoat things. and, And we don't allow people to digest the truth. And instead, they're just, you know, digesting these honey dipped lies that are wrapped in a Bible verse and not really understanding the true gravity of the situation. Like John 3, 16, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's a verse we love to present, and it's it's a great verse to present because it presents the gospel in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. But we have to understand why he had to send his son to die. Because someone had to die in our place to take on our sin. So that way, when we stood before the throne of God, we wouldn't have to experience his wrath. And it says something very specific in there. We kind of read over it a lot of times and people don't read into it as much as they need to. But to all those who believe shall have eternal life. Mm -hmm. And, And so there's the the context there is that we have to go a little bit further. Well, what about those who don't believe, but ultimately here we see God's good tolerance in this. I yeah. gave, I gave her time to repent. He yeah, was long exactly. suffering. Mm-hmm. He was long suffering. And when she did not repent, he gave her every chance to repent. But when she did not repent, We see what happened to Jezebel in 2 Kings chapter 9. She eventually met a horrible end. She was living on top of the world for a little while. And God gave her chances to repent. He used Elijah to call her and all of Israel to repentance. But when she refused to repent, eventually she met a horrible, horrible end. Mm -hmm. But, But what in the world, what is Jesus meaning here? you know, specifically right now for for the church of Thyatira and, and how can that be applied to us today?
0: Well, so you make a good point in emphasizing God's tolerance here. And that's something we need to take to heart as well is that uh, God is patient with us, you know, as individual believers. And he is patient with churches that don't have everything right like this one. Mm -hmm. But the very fact that in verse 21, the Lord says, I gave her time to repent means that the time to repent is limited. Mm -hmm. There is a time to repent. Um, And, you know, there comes a point where God eventually brings judgment or discipline um, upon those who refuse to repent. And that's what he's talking about here. He says, I gave her time, I gave her chances, I gave her opportunities, but she refuses. And behold, here's what's going to follow from that lack of repentance. And he spells out all these uh, consequences. You know, I'll throw her onto a sickbed. Those who commit adultery with her will be in great tribulation. And I'll strike her children dead. All very strong phrases describing the severe judgment that comes upon false teachers uh, and that comes upon believers who tolerate false teaching and compromise within the local church. So, you know, the big lesson for us is we we don't need to put God's patience to the test. Yeah. What we and, need and, to do is repent of any sin that yeah. we have.
1: And I think, too, we get another lesson here of accountability. Because yeah. we have to hold each other accountable. Mm-hmm. And, and, and really, you know, get to the crux of the matter, why things aren't going the way they need to and, and why we need to be strong on sin and, and encouraging and exalting and also correcting our brothers and sisters in Christ. Why? Because if we don't do that, here's what happens. There's compromise. There, there's a downfall within the body. And then if we don't correct it, then eventually, guess who's going to correct it? Jesus. Yeah, right. And, and you know, I, I don't know about you, Brother Brandon, I, I, when I was younger, I used to use God's love and God's patience in an incorrect fashion a lot mm-hmm. of times to overlook things that really, I was just too lazy or too scared to confront. But as I've grown older and as I've allowed, you know, in my life to or not, there hasn't been really a whole lot of allowance. God has humbled me many times in my mm-hmm. life and, and for my betterment to, to help yeah. me grow, to help me stand. And, and I've realized that that was the most loving thing he could do, that in his love and in his grace, that he didn't just look away when I was doing something destructive in my yeah, life. Right. He, he confronted it and he humbled me. And that's what we are supposed to be as brothers and sisters in Christ. For example, if, if you, Brandon, are going out and you're living in sin, uh, name any sin in the world, that could be something you're living in, whether it's lying, whether it's sexual immorality, whether mm-hmm. it's, you know, uh, being a drunkard, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. But if yeah. can I really tell you that I love you while I'm watching you as a brother in Christ? Let sin destroy your witness and and, and bring you down.
0: Yeah, exactly. And not,
1: and not correct you. And, and so he's he's saying y'all have time to correct this right here yeah. right now mm-hmm. before I correct it. And if I correct it there's not going to be much left.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's very fitting that, you know, you locate this in the realm of love because mm-hmm. that's where this correction comes from. I mean, that's why Jesus talks to this church, because he loves them. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to see them judged. He doesn't want to see them reap the ugly consequences of their unrepentance. He Mm -hmm. loves them. That's why he's speaking so sternly to them. And that's the motivation in mutual correction and exhortation. When we see something that's wrong in the lives of a brother or sister in Christ, We say something because we love them, and we expect that to be reciprocated. Um, It's kind of like a a story I told a while back about these three guys that were inseparable friends, and they went everywhere together, did everything together, Uh, Tom, Tim, and Tony, easy to remember. And they went on a skiing trip together, Tom, Tim, and Tony, and Tony decided to venture off the designated ski track away from the rest of the group. But unbeknownst to him, he was swiftly skiing towards the edge of a precipice, just having a good old time, but he was actually on his way to death. And his other two friends, Tom and Tim, could actually see the danger he was headed toward from their vantage point. And Tom, he yells, Tony, get back here quick. You're going to kill yourself on that cliff. And he turns to Tim. He says, we got a big problem here. We got to go save him. We got to get him back on track. But Tim was not on board, and he shockingly retorted, uh, Tom, that's not very loving. <laughs> you, just let him do what he wants. Right. Who are you to judge him for doing his own thing? In fact, if you offend him, he might not ever ski again. Well, obviously, we know which of the two friends really loved Tony, right. and that was Tom. He was willing to spoil his fun to save his life. Mm -hmm. And that's sometimes what we have to do and sometimes what has to be done to us to make sure that we're not, as Hebrews uh, 3 talks about, hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. The writer of Hebrews literally says that mutual correction and mutual exhortation is one of the only hopes we have from not venturing off a precipice towards our own spiritual destruction. Mm -hmm. That's, That's pretty important.
1: And and two, we've got to think of the long-term effects of sin. Our our sin can go pretty far. In fact, we we think about what's going on in churches today. Uh, A lot of our churches are slimming down. They don't don't see as many people showing up. uh, And that's very worrisome to, to many churches today as they see a decrease in attendance, a, a decrease in outreach, a decrease in baptisms, and a decrease in salvations as well. But we've got to understand something, is that if we start in complete submission to Christ, that's where we see growth, when we're completely submitted to Christ. But when yeah, we right. allow compromise into the situation and we start straddling the fence. Well, we can live for Christ here and there, and we can live for the world here and there. What that leads to is complete submission to the world eventually. And and that leads to death and and destruction, a spiritual death and destruction. And so think about this right now in Thyatira, and, and we'll read about this as we continue on. But there were some people there that were living for Christ and Christ alone. Yes, right. But there were several that were not. And one of the most dangerous things you can do as a believer is to straddle the fence. Because if you're straddling the fence now, I can assure you this, your kids, you you might be the compromise. <laughs> you know, Maybe your parents were the complete submission to Christ. And then you became the compromise, the straddling the fence. And your kids might see that. And I can tell you, they're not going to go to complete submission to Christ from that compromise. They're going to either stay in that compromising spot, straddling the fence like you are, or they're going to go into complete submission to the Mm -hmm. world. And that's important. That's something I've had to look at as a father, that I've got to be all in because if i'm straddling the fence in front of my kids that means my kids are going to be like well here's how serious my dad took it he straddled the fence Mm -hmm. so either they're going to straddle the fence with me or they're going to say man that's baloney i can live like the world and not have to feel guilty about it sometimes when i step my foot on the other side of the fence and yeah. just go into complete submission to the world. And there's there's a very serious consequence of death. That's more serious than a physical death or a sickbed. That's you know a, a death that leads to eternal separation from God in hell. And, and so there's a reason why we don't allow sin. There's a reason why we confront sin. There's a reason why we don't compromise, because when we compromise, that leads a lot of people astray including even our families.
0: Yeah. And, and I think that's a good point to highlight the seriousness of evil and sin, which makes this passage make sense. I mean, you know, we may wonder why does he speak so strongly to these believers in Thyatira? Because there's nothing more serious than sin. You know, I mean, sin is the reason we die. The, it, it, it kills our spiritual life, and there is just times where we continue in unrepentance for so long, and we need a wake up call. We need strong words. But as you were saying earlier, you know, one of the silver linings, I guess, of this church is, you know, according to what Jesus says in verse twenty four, not everybody was a compromiser,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, not everybody was tolerating Jezebel and and these false teachings. He says, "There is some of you." who do not hold to this. Uh, and he says to you, I don't lay on you any other burden, only hold fast what you have till I come. And so so that's some encouragement. There were true believers among this congregation. And Jesus actually just tells them, you know what? Y'all keep on doing what you're doing. I'm not laying on you any other burden, any other command. You just hold fast to true biblical teaching, to personal holiness And Jesus says, hold on to that until I come. So I guess, you know, that is an indication that Christ was eventually coming to this church in judgment. Yeah, yeah.
1: And and I think if we break this down into the three different ways of looking at at it, is first, as an individual, we shouldn't allow sin to hold a place in our lives. Is sin going to come knocking at the door sometimes? Are we sometimes going to answer that door? Uh, probably so. But what we should oh, yeah. do is is take a long look at it and say, you know what? Instead of tolerating it and saying, yeah, I fall sometimes, what might as well just leave the door open. Might as well just give sin a room in the house. Might as well just sign the deed over to sin. Uh, that That's what tolerating leads to is just more and more submission to that. Instead of tolerating sin, we should completely expel it. We should completely repent of it, turn away from it, put our eyes back on Jesus. We as churches need to do that as well. And I think I I will preach this to the day I die. There was a reason why churches were so strong 50 years ago. I'm not saying that the churches were perfect 50 years ago Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and 50 years from now, I'm sure they still won't be perfect because we are imperfect people serving a perfect God. And that's a beautiful thing to think about, but there was a reason they were strong 50 years ago because they initiated spiritual discipline. They didn't have allowance or tolerance for sin amongst the body of believers, and they didn't get up and, and get angry for the most part. I'm sure there were some, there's always going to be exceptions, mm-hmm. but for the most part, they did these things out of love. Hey, brother, hey, sister, this isn't right. We go to, to the Matthew 18 understanding when Jesus is saying, how do you confront sin and a brother or yeah. sister? Right. They would, and And this is actually in our bylaws as a church, to follow Matthew 18, when a brother or sister is, is in sin, mm-hmm. what do we do? We go to them as an individual and say, hey, brother, hey, sister, this isn't going right. You need to get back on track because this is going to hurt you. And I yeah, love you. right? And I don't want it to hurt you. And if they don't listen, what does is, what is Jesus go on to say? Take another person with you.
0: Yeah, right. Go
1: and talk to them because you love them. And then if they don't listen anymore. You bring it before the whole church. I think we've been lacking in that a lot in in our churches, but you bring it before the whole church. And if they don't listen to the church, what does Jesus say? He says, treat them as a heathen or a tax collector.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know about you. What does that mean to you, Brother Brandon?
0: Well, it can be misinterpreted, but I think generally speaking, Jesus says, You're to understand them as an unbeliever. Right. That's not part of the church because they are not showing forth that characteristic which most defines the children of God, Mm -hmm. which is repentance. Mm -hmm. I love what John Calvin said. He said repentance is not the start of the Christian life. It is the Christian life. And it's the defining thing. And if somebody is unwilling to repent, then... They're showing that their heart maybe has never been changed by God's grace. yeah. And that's an unfortunate thing. But that that process that you just mentioned in Matthew 18 that Jesus outlines, that's sort of a winnowing uh, process to separate the sheep from the goats.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and it's in the hopes, too, that when we treat them as a heathen and a tax collector, as an unbeliever, not to... to push them away in, yeah. in the sense of, you know, there's no hope for you and, and we're just done completely, but it's to realize your spiritual state and to now pursue you not as a brother or sister, but as a lost soul that needs to be saved
0: out of love. Yeah. Right. It's a gracious thing. It's like, it's meant to wake a person up to realize, wait a minute, I'm not like this community. Uh, there's something that is wrong with me that, you know, like I, I don't, I don't have the Holy Spirit like everybody else does. And it's like you say, it's meant to change the dynamic of our ministry towards that person where we're no longer treating him as a brother or sister in Christ, but we're treating him as an unbeliever, not to ostracize him, not to push him away, but to give him what they ultimately need, which is yeah. the gospel of Christ in hopes that their sins will be forgiven.
1: Yeah. And I think, too, as we read through the letters here in the book of Revelation, that we see a very common theme, God's love and God's correction. Yeah, right. All of God's correction is done out of love, either to get the believers on board and doing what they are called to do or to help the unbelievers realize their spiritual death that they're living in at that moment and call them to repentance and to become a true part of the body of Christ. So,
0: yeah, right.
1: I mean, it's, it's a tough thing to think about because we live in a society that's all about feelings. We live in a culture that, you know, like, I can't go outside without offending someone, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, well, mostly because I'm a a straight white male (laughs) And uh, yeah, you know, I'm upsetting. I'm upsetting a lot of people just doing that right now. For your existence place. is offensive. Yeah. <laughs> like, but just think of how that makes me feel now, huh? Uh, but you know, I, I found that like just silly little things offend people now because we're being taught in this culture that that there's no correction, that you live how you want that. You get to pick your truth, but when it comes down to the church, we don't get to pick and choose our truth, even if it makes us feel a little bit bad sometimes, that we follow not our truth, not what we want, but we follow the truth. We follow the gospel. And I want you to know this. The Bible is the most offensive book to mankind. Why? Because it shows us how wrong we are. But it's also the most glorious book of mankind because it shows us the Savior who, while we were still sinners, came to this world to demonstrate his love for us by dying for us to show us that even though we are wrong, we can be made right. In him. Yeah. And, and that's what Paul writes in First Corinthians, or I'm sorry, Second Corinthians 5.21. He made him who knew no sin to become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. So if you get offended by what the Bible is saying right here, I can tell you one thing for certain. Uh, It's not God that's wrong. It's not Jesus that's wrong. But maybe, just maybe, if there's an offense to this right now, you need to reflect upon these words and ask yourself, why is this hurting?
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Why
1: Why yeah. does this make me feel this
0: way? Right, right. And kind of like you're saying, the truth, it's hard to receive for any of us. It's hard for me to receive, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because I know I have sin in my life. But the thing is, as Jesus says, it's only the truth that shall make us free. Mm-hmm. We need it more than anything else we need. Yes. And, you know, I mean, and the great thing is if we respond to the truth of God's word here in this passage of scripture. We don't compromise with evil. We don't put up with it. Uh, Jesus assures us of a great reward, which obviously we don't have time to unpack uh, in the remainder of this episode. But if you read in verses 26 through 29, Jesus talks about believers ruling and reigning with him.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: and I don't know about you, man, but to me, that that's what I want. I want to rule right. and reign with Christ. And, it might cost me a lot on Earth to obtain that reward. It might cost me uh, friendship. It might cost me popularity. Um, but you know, that's that's a lot better than yeah. not ruling and reigning with Christ and compromising on Earth.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I th- I think that really sums it all up too. Is is we come to this conclusion of this episode. But I want to encourage all of you that are listening to the Faith 168 podcast to just live in this lifestyle of repentance as, as Brother Brandon was talking about. It's not just something that happens at the beginning of salvation. Yeah. It's, it's a continuance. We, it's a lifestyle of completely turning away from our sin. At every, every time it rears its ugly head to turn away from it and to focus on Jesus. And I promise you this. When you turn away from sin, when you turn away from the world, when you turn away from your own will and follow the will of God, you're going to see true growth. You're going to to find true peace and true joy that you can only find in Jesus Christ. So I encourage you to do exactly what Jesus says here. If you haven't repented, go ahead and repent. Turn away from your sin. Continue to follow him. And hold fast till he comes again. Hold fast. So, thank you for listening to the Faith 168 podcast. It was a joy to record another episode. Brother Brandon, will you dismiss us in prayer?
0: Absolutely. Father, we thank you that you are so gracious and kind to us, and you give us the opportunity and time to repent, and you also grant us the strength and compulsion to repent, and recognize sin for what it is, and, and turn from it. And we pray that our lives might continue to be marked by repentance, and that uh, if we uh, see sin in our lives, that we would renounce it and forsake it. Uh, but we pray we might be given the strength also to, in love, um, correct and confront our brothers and sisters in Christ when they're in the wrong, and Uh, Lord, we thank you for that gift of exhortation, that it literally keeps us from being hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And most importantly, we just pray you might give us the grace and strength to be faithful to Jesus the next 168 hours of the week. And we pray these things together in Christ's name. Amen.
1: Amen. Thanks for listening to the Faith 168 Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review on whatever streaming platform you are using. If you have a prayer request or have a topic that you would like us to cover, message us on the Faith 168 Podcast Facebook page, and we will see you in 168 hours.